What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the Nerdwide Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my good friend and co-host sitting here to my right. If you're watching here on TV on your YouTube, this is Mr. Chris Rivers. Chris, how's your past two weeks been? Uh, pretty busy uh, between work and uh, a new game dropping. Mm. Talk about later. I can't wait to talk uh, about that one. Uh, but yeah. What about you? Have your uh, have your two weeks? Uh, it's been different. Uh, two weeks ago, had a little uh, health issue again, but nothing nothing as bad as last time. I had that issue, so which is always a great thing. But just kind of reeling from that and getting back to a new normal, if you will, has been a little frustrating. But it we'll get there. Other than that, method been work's been busy. We started a new process, and I absolutely hate it. So, but you know. It's okay. I'm still here. So that's all we care about. Again, listen, we got a lot of uh, some fun things to talk about. We watched She-Hulk this week, finally. Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and preface it. I, w- I like that a lot more than I thought I was going to. And it's got me wanting a whole lot more. And I'm kind of upset we didn't get two episodes. We only got the one. But what do I know? I'm not Kevin Feige who makes these decisions. But quick housekeeping before we get into everything. Don't forget to subscribe to either our YouTube or podcasting services of your choice. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave us a thumbs up on YouTube or give us a good rating for whatever podcasting app you use. If you don't enjoy what you see or hear, make sure you leave us a comment. Let us know how we can improve the show. Uh, as always, you go to patreon.com slash nerdwide. Three different tiers that way. I still have not updated them. I've been meaning to, but a little issues going on there. And it, But it is up. So but we'll update the tiers. Hopefully this week. And then another quick housekeeping. We will not be doing another episode next week, but we'll be back in two weeks. But that means that when we come back, we'll be starting our Halloween movie watch-a-thon for September and October. And basing it off of my wife's list, my list, and Chris's list, it's going to be fun for everybody else. So not so much for me. But, you know, everybody else is going to have some fun, some laughs, and we'll get to have some fun because I won't be sleeping at night. But, you know, we'll get there. Chris, other than our She-Hulk show, have you been watching anything else? Anything fun? Yeah, I knocked out the last uh, like five or six episodes of Young Sheldon mm. to finish off the season. Um, good. It's yeah. getting to the point where he's he's kind of outgrowing the role. Oh, so it's uh, well, it's because he's been the actor's been doing it forever. Yeah, he's just, I mean, he's growing up. That's the tough part about casting right. kids in these shows. Is He's getting taller. He's he's clearly, he's probably a teenager now. Mm. And Sheldon in the story is supposed to already be at college when he's, when he's a teenager. Ooh. Which he is in the show, but he's not in California. Right. Um, and I watched the, each of these weeks, I watched the... Uh, latest episode of american horror stories i know i know you and jamie have been texting back and forth about it i think this yeah. past week she really liked i'm not sure about the week before um to... the week before was let me let me this past week was good it was the bloody mary legend yes that's what because she tells me about kind of what's going on with it and i'm like mm, i'm still glad i'm not watching it enjoy that one yeah, the one before was a uh, kind of similar to um, a witch trials type story where uh, there was an outbreak of smallpox. Oh, wow. And uh, there's someone who, because she got, it's kind of odd with what's going on in the world right now, because she got 
I think it was monkeypox or cowpox because she got it that worked as sort of a remedy or a immunity boost against smallpox is that the one where there was like a pus on someone's shoulder and the person yeah. okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I remember that that's yeah, she, that's uh, okay she's got postules going up uh, her, up toward her shoulders and she squeezes some pus out of one and feeds mm-mm. into a guy mm-mm and uh, that that was a little uh, a little gross for sure, but uh, the Bloody Mary episode this week was pretty good. Um, I gotta say that it's on Hulu streaming if anyone wants to check it out. But um, some of the episodes aren't terribly scary; they're just kind of they hit creepy, but not quite scary. Mm. So no, no, thank you. Mm-mm. Uh, as far as I have been trying to think if I've watched anything crazy. Oh, I watched, uh, The Sandman, the Neil Gaiman, uh, Netflix show that came out. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's a little bit, I don't think I'll watch it. I keep saying, keep saying that Jamie asked if I'd watch a season two and I'm like, no, but then they dropped a, an episode Thursday night. He's like, oh, he goes, I don't think 10 episodes were enough. Here's a, a number 11. It's just a little short story on there. And I was like, and I watched it. And I was like, I, I told myself I wouldn't come back for anymore. And here I am. So it's okay. It, it's nothing crazy. It's more of a, reminds me a lot of Edward Scissorhands, like a Tim Burton kind of stuff. It's dark, but very well done, like story-wise. And um, essentially what it is, is, each episode is a different kind of story in this universe. And like, it's got one character, which is the Sandman or uh the god the god of dreams and it, it's pretty cool there's some really creepy things in there but i just i still don't know if i'm gonna go back to it or not and i think that's it as far as you know watching normal big brother stuff all of this week kind of boring but nothing speaking of, speaking of tim burton we did get a trailer drop this week for wednesday oh the, we watched that as well is adam's family show Jamie's really excited about it. I was like, eh, I didn't. I don't really have a big connection. Or I didn't like uh, the preview. The preview was good. I mean, but so we'll probably. I'll probably watch. It's a series, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'll probably watch the first episode. See if it grabs me. If it doesn't, then you know, Jamie, watch it by herself. But I don't. Th- it looked good though. I, I like what yeah. they did with some of the stuff. Yeah, I like the piranhas. Mm-hmm. That was hilarious. Although they wouldn't survive in there because of the chlorine and anything. Anyways, uh, Chris, let's talk about it. She-Hulk, episode one, Attorney at Law. Again, was not expecting this this show to grab me like it did. Stella, my youngest daughter, absolutely in love with it. She loved Miss Marvel and she loved She-Hulk. And every time we see a preview for it, she gets really excited. And the episode ended and she goes, okay, again. I'm, no, no, we're, we're not going to watch it again. You can... Watch it some other time. I'm not watching it again. But we're going to go to Matt Webb Matovich for this one on TVLine.com. And again, this is full spoilers for She-Hulk. So if you haven't watched it yet, skip around until you get past it. Um, let's see. As the series opens, Tatiana Maslany's Jen Walters is rehearsing her closing statement for a big trial, earning kudos from paralegal BFF Nikki and a dismissive offer to handle the closer by colleague Todd. Jen waves off Todd as they head to the court, but not before Jen turns into a camera to address something Nikki had just said. Yeah, I'm a Hulk. Jen shrugs, and as such, she suspects viewers won't be able to focus on the fun lawyer show until they know her origin story. Put a pin there. Love the fourth wall break. And, I mean, it's 
they they wrote this so well because I, it's the same thing. No, I would not have cared about the fun legal stuff until I knew, and they they know what they're doing over there. Um, cut the months ago where Jen and her cousin Bruce Banner are on a road trip, still nursing a wounded wing from Endgame. Bruce clocks an inhibitor device on his other wrist that keeps him in human form. While Jen details her theory that Steve Rogers was very busy as Captain America to, to ever get busy. She gets cut off, however, by a Sakarian, a Class 8 courier craft as previously seen in Thor Ragnarok, and steers down an embankment into a crash. Very funny there. Like, I did not know this is a big debate. Apparently, this has been a debate on some, like, Reddit threads and things like that. Did Steve Rogers have sexual relationships? And for some reason, that was such a big debate. And let me know. I'm going to tell you right now, this show uh, puts that theory to rest. We'll get there. <laughs> In the course of wriggling herself from the wreckage, Jen gashes her forearm badly. And as she drags out dazed Bruce, blood from his own wound drips into hers, nearly instantly causing her to hulk out, as seen in a car door reflection. Bruce immediately panics over the accidental blood contamination. As Jen dashes off into the woods, she later surface, surfaces as herself at a dive bar, where some young women spot her battered and bruised in the washroom and clean her up some. Waiting outside for Bruce to come get her, Jen is hit on by a few oafs, whom she quickly fends off by unwittingly sprouting into her six foot seven green self. When Jen next wakes up, she is in a hut in Mexico. She ventures downstairs and finds Bruce, now in smart Hulk form, toiling in the underground lab that Tony Stark had set up for him during the blip. This, he explains, is where he learned to integrate his two identities into Smart Hulk. Bruce then informs Jen that her blood was hit with a lethal dose of gamma radiation, but their shared rare genetic factors mean that she can synthesize the toxin, and in fact, he has used her blood to heal his right arm. A lot of cool things there. We've already hit like a lot of uh, Easter eggs. We're going to talk about that in the next article. Um, but there are a lot of Easter eggs that have been happening as we're going through this. But something else I did like about this show is that all the trailers, most of the trailers we've had, we've already had in this episode, like the footage from, like the whole Mexico scene. I really liked him training. We had it in this episode. So I was very thankful of that because basically now we've, we're like, okay, what happens next? We know she goes dating, but there's other stuff that does happen, but we don't know yet. Um, over pancakes, Bruce makes clear that Jen's inner Hulk isn't going away, that the best he ever learned to do was merge his two selves. So he whips out a thick manual on being a Hulk, which he compiled over the past 15 years. He then leads Jen back to his lab to trap her in a sealed room with approaching buzzsaws to test her ability to Hulk out. Not only does she do so, she lays waste to the chamber's million-dollar door. Bruce is jealous, impressed, uh, all of it, to realize that Jen is still very much Jen when a Hulk. There is no second guy with his hands on the wheel, no inside voice she has to wrestle with. The question then becomes, how can Jen turn herself back? As Bruce warns that he was once stuck as Hulk for two years in outer space. Again, another whole little Easter egg of Thor Ragnarok right after Age of Ultron. Um, we had a lot of callbacks to things in this episode. Again, we'll get to those shortly. Bruce proceeds to, to school his cousin on DBT and mindfulness, as well as the importance of reinforced bedroom furniture and spandex. Powers like this can put a target on your back, he warns, but Jen is more focused on her abilities to metabolize booze. All buzz, no barf, Bruce boasts. The next day, while nursing a Hulk-sized hangover, Jen maintains, I'm not going to be a superhero, but simply return to the career that she spent a lot of uh, money and years building. Bruce contends that there is no way to live between what we want and what is if she can control her rage. 
Uh, Jen hits Bruce with the reality that as a woman, she had had more than her share of experience of suppressing anger, whether being targeted by catcalls, suffering through mansplaining, or fearing every step when out walking late at night. After demonstrating that she can transform between herself and She-Hulk at will, Jen packs to leave Mexico, but Bruce argues, who is going to protect the world if it isn't people like us? Jen shoots back, I'm not going to become you and have my life taken away from me, pointing to his kind of sad, oft-isolated existence. Why would you want that for me? Bruce counters that denying half of your being is no way to live, then asks, why wouldn't you, uh, why wouldn't you listen to someone who's been through this before? As Jen literally Hulk claps back at her cousin, a big green brawl ensues, leading to the wrecking of Bruce's self-built tiki bar. Tension's cool as Jen helps Bruce rebuild the bar, during which she can see that she can return to her normal life. When he cut back to Jen's office, where she tells the viewer, So that's how it all happened. My family knows. Nikki knows. Now I'm going to win this case. Lawyer show. Love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, Jen Walter's super secret is about to come out, though, just as she goes to deliver her closing argument, a superhero named Tati... Uh, Titania literally bursts through the courtroom doors. Nikki quietly urges Jen to do her thing publicly for the first time and favorite outfit be damned. Jen kicks off her heels and swells into her She-Hulk form to clobber Titania. Uh, once this very random and to be explained later threat is neutralized, Jen returns to her normal self, clothes a bit tattered, and plainly tells the judge, I'm ready to give my closing argument now. Which leads to the closing credits and there was a bonus scene. Did you watch it? Okay. Uh, Bruce sets the record straight that caps on caps alert alleged virginity and uh, She-Hulk says uh, Captain America fuck and it in uh, credits absolutely loved it <laughs> Chris what did you think of the whole episode uh, I really liked it I like the fact that we finally got the explanation of um, you know because we, we were wondering what happened between Endgame and the end credit scene in Shang-Chi mm -hmm. because all of a sudden there's Bruce with his arm in a sling. Right. And, um, so we kind of got some more info there. Um, and where he was too. And where he was. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that was nice. The humor is done well. Mm-hmm. No uh, screaming goats. Yeah. No screaming <laughs> goats. So it's, uh, that's very, very good that they've they found that sweet spot with the humor again. Mm -hmm. um, you had the creepy guys that followed her out of the bar, and uh, and she scares them off. There's there's a lot of just nice little moments in the show, mm -hmm. and, uh, and the fourth wall breaking. You know, we saw one of those moments in the trailer right. where she looks back at the camera as She Hulk and says, "He doesn't mean that," mm -hmm. and and kind of does a double take to the camera like so we because i mean we were wondering well, after seeing that trailer oh are we gonna get a fourth break uh wall breaking show and we are and i'm glad yeah. be, I, I like how deadpool does that and now how she hulk's going to and she did it i mean three times technically right at the beginning during that scene we saw during the trailer and then right at the end you know after being caught up it was going to be a lawyer show now so um, i'm very curious to see where we go from here because like i said earlier we we've hit all of the a lot of the major trailer points that a lot of the, yeah. the fluff of it, which was just her training and becoming She-Hulk. And we got a lot of Easter eggs this episode. Um, I'll scroll through some of these. Um, Nikki mentions that Jen has a savage look that she could use in the courtroom. This is a nod uh, to the first Marvel She-Hulk comic from 1980, which was actually titled The Savage She-Hulk, issue number one. Uh, right from the start, She-Hulk's, uh, we talked about the fourth wall break. 
Let's see. While, dri- while driving with Jen, Bruce reveals how he created a device that keeps him out of his Hulk form. This finally answers the question why Bruce did not look like Smart Hulk during the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings mid credit scene. You could even spot the device in Shang-Chi 2 on his left arm, which it has a picture here of that scene. And sure enough, he's got the device on his left wrist. Hilarious. Like, it just... That was last year. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so it's just, again, Kevin Feige and the team thinking so far ahead. Um, as Bruce points out, afterward, the spaceship that runs Jen and Bruce off the road is Sakari. And of course, Sakari is where Bruce and Hulk spent a majority of his time after fleeing Earth and Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Jen gains her Hulk powers after her wound from the car crash is contaminated with Bruce's blood in the She-Hulk comics. Jen gains her Hulk powers after she is in need of a blood transfusion after an accident as Bruce is the only available donor. Kinda. I mean, I like I mean, it's not a bad thing. Uh, when Jen enters the bar after transforming into, uh, into She-Hulk for the first time, you can spot a QR code on the wall next to her. This QR code takes you to a free digital copy of the, Sh- the Savage She-Hulk issue number one from 1980. Love that they do this. Like, I mean, they, they, they go to the source material and say, hey, here's it for free. Start watching it. Or start reading it with us. Um, after Jen wakes up at Bruce's place, she puts on a Led Zeppelin t-shirt. Now, since we later find out that this hideout was once Tony Stark's house, we're liking to assume this is one of his shirts that he left behind. Mm-hmm. So, uh, while looking around the house, Jen spots a broken Iron Man helmet. This particular helmet looks like one of the helmets from the Iron Legion from Age of Ultron. Bruce mentions to Jen that he is Smart Hulk again, which is the first time the MCU has used that nickname for the version of the Hulk, which is so funny to me because that's what the fans dubbed him after yeah. Endgame. And they put it back into the show. I think it's so funny. Um, I, I love that they did that. Uh, Bruce tells Jen that they are in a lab in Mexico, which is where he spent most of the blip. We talked about that earlier. The Gamma Lab was first mentioned by Bruce in Avengers Endgame when Natasha, Steve, and Scott met with him. He said in Endgame, 18 months in a Gamma Lab, I put the brains of Braun together, now look at me. So... Even a bigger callback to Endgame, which was, yeah. you know, four years ago now. Bruce mentions how he and Jen share a rare, rare combination of genetic factors that allowed them to synthesize gamma radiation into a Hulk gene. Now, I can't hear a rare gene in a Marvel show without theorizing that could Bruce and Jen be a version of mutants in the MCU. It's kind of similar to what we learned in Miss Marvel about Kamala Khan. So, I mean, not too far of a stretch there. No, no, not at all. Uh, they talk about Inside Out. And one of the things, which is, you know, it's Disney. Uh, when Jen asks Bruce how he would transform back into Bruce from Hulk, he mentions the two ways we see in Avengers Age of Ultron, with Tony beating him up versus Natasha singing to him. Nice little callback to that. Uh, when Bruce and Jen argue after she announces she wants to go home, they both use a thunderclap on each other. This is the first time we've seen Hulk use this since Incredible Hulk in 2008. Uh, Jamila Jamil makes her grand entrance into the MCU as Titania, who is a villain taken directly from the She-Hulk comics. And in comics, Titania is a She-Hulk's greatest adversary, and she also fights Superman. Uh, during the closing credits, you can spot a drawing of Jen surrounding by, surrounded by case files, one of which has a S.H.I.E.L.D. logo on it. I didn't notice that. And in the mid credit scene, Bruce hilariously reveals to Jen that Steve Rogers is not a virgin and that he lost his virginity on the USO tour in 1943. Now, not only is it one of the fo- funniest post-credit scenes the MCU now that now not only is this the one of the funniest post-credit scenes the MCU has given us, but if you go back and watch Captain America: The First Avenger, you have to assume that Steve slept with a girl while on the USO tour, and it's the blonde girl, and that's so funny that that's connected. That's great. 
And then don't worry, Chris Evans has already commented on this development. He put three laughing face emojis and one with a zipped up mouth emo- emoji and put hashtag She-Hulk. <laughs> uh, that's great. Because they, I read an article that said that if they were, they were going to tell Chris Evans about it, but they said if they would have, it wouldn't have ended up in the show. So they were just going to let him watch it and find it on his own. And yeah. sure enough, so <laughs> that's She-Hulk number one. I can't wait. I, I'm really enjoying this show, and I'm very excited to see where it comes from after this, or where it's it goes so, after this. It's so fun to see so many of the people that are involved mm-hmm. in, in, in various Marvel projects still retweeting stuff about stuff they aren't even really involved right. in and, and interacting. You don't get that with some companies. DCEU. I mean, we've got we've got Batman being in his third film, and he said years ago he didn't want to do this anymore, but he's still doing it. So whatever. It's hard to get excited about something when you've you've said it multiple times you don't want to do it anymore. But you know, get your bills paid, I guess. Ring to pay for. Right. Uh, news this past two weeks: HBO Max says Green Lantern series is still in development while canceling other shows. I'm going to HollywoodReport.com by Rick Porter and Leslie Goldberg. Quite a lot of uh, this. I'm going to skip around some of this. Uh, another DC properties has gotten the axe at HBO Max. Strange Adventures, an anthology series from EP Greg Berlanti that was to feature some lesser-known comic characters for the DC Universe, is it moving forward at the streamer HBO Max confirmed. Filmmaker Kevin Smith, who was set to direct and co-write an episode of the series revealed on Hollywood Babble on podcast, the show was dead. Um, Smith discussed Strange Adventures' fate in the context of Warner Brothers' discovery decision to kill its Batgirl movie, which the company said reflects our leadership strategic shift as it released to the DC Universe and HBO Max. Uh, Strange Adventures, however, met a more common fate is that it never got past the development stage. Sources said the decision to move on from the project was quietly made months ago, before the Warner Media Discovery merger became final. Okay, well, so now we know that. Uh, Green Lantern remains on track at the streamer sources say with Finn Whitrock and Jeremy Irvine set to star in Lee Tolan Krieger, Superman and Lois and you on board to direct the first two episodes. Sources say all involved are taking their time with the effects heavy show the priciest series Berlanti Productions has ever mounted in order to get it right. Berlanti co-wrote the screenplay for the 2011 Green Lantern feature film which was panned by critics and considered a flop grossing $219 million with a $200 million budget. So... Ben Whitrock, by the way, has been in a few seasons of American Horror Story. So if you want to check out some of his work, there you go. <laughs> nice little call out. I love it, Chris. Uh, next one here. Titans and Doom Patrol are reportedly in danger of cancellation. I am not happy to read about this one. And this is from our buddy, uh, Charlie Ridgely, comicbook.com. There are there are a ton of questions surrounding the future of DC Productions at Warner Brothers Discovery, and that likely won't change anytime soon. Um, despite earlier reports that the two HBO Max shows, which began on DC Universe, were in a good place, Variety is, is now stating that they could be in some trouble. The publication's latest report on the DC situation that cl- claimed both Titans and Doom Patrol were said to be on the chopping block. At this time, however, no definitive decisions have been made. This is certainly frustrating for, fr- for, fr- for fans, as both shows have been running for a few years. But DC TV has been making big shifts over the past year. The entire Arrowverse will be finished soon as The Flash is entering its final season. And with a new... De- Warner Brothers Discovery leadership team looking to cut costs down for streaming properties. Titans and Doom Patrol are a prime candidates to be cut. Which which sucks because they're still filming Titans right now. And yeah. I have a feeling that they'll probably 
See, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. With this whole tag thing they're doing with Batgirl, I have no idea with Titans. Because... They'll probably scrap it. God, I hope not, man. Like, I'm really excited about this season because of um, Joseph Morgan coming into play, Sebastian Blood. And, like, he has been tweeting hints and things, and he says it is one of his favorite things he's done, which, of course, a lot of actors say that about their stuff to hype it up. But um, I'm really excited about it. And I just, I, you know, we both love the Titans and Doom Patrol, and I really don't want to see them end. But it, it probably will get the axe, and I hate that. Um... Disney Plus will launch an ad-supported version on December 8th. Just This is a nice little thing from Jay Peters on The Verge. Disney's ad-supported tier of Disney Plus will cost $8 well, $7.99 per month. The current cost of the ad-free plan and will be available during December 8th. The company announced on two Wednesdays ago. The same day, there will be a price hike for the ad-free plan, which will cost $10.99 a month. So our plans will be going up in prices. So, yeah. It's... The streaming world where trying to cut cable, but you know what? You have to pay the same amount of cable for everything else. Makes no sense to me. I, I, I hate it all. Um, and last one here. This is a fun one. What if season two will keep getting wilder, says director. Growing to comicbookresources.com by Matt Eral. I'm going to skip a little bit on this one, too, because I talked about some things. Um, those, though Andrews promises season three of What If will be the most outlandish to date, season two will also up the ante considerably. With the format established and a whole new crop of films and television shows to pull from, Andrews teased an exciting next batch of episodes. Quote, obviously more unique stories that slowly get, get a little bit wilder, said the director when asked about season two has in store. The first season, Kevin wanted to keep it a little bit closer to the vest, have a little thing that was different, and that thing, little thing made these things different but still uh, tied very much to either a moment in the movies or particular film itself. Now there's some films and things to pull from, so we don't have to have just a tiny moment. We can expand out and things can get a little bit wackier. We take it up a notch in season two, and then in season three we just go even wackier. In season two, we have different characters that we haven't really gotten a chance to play with before and see how they're integrate with some of the favorites that come back. There's uh, lots of really cool stuff, and I can't wait for people to see it. I mean, I'm in. Um, he says earlier in this article, I thought it was interesting. Um, let me see. I want to get to the, the uh, let's see. Despite the seemingly limited scope of the premise, Andrew said the what if creative team actually had many, had way more ideas than they could turn into episodes. Quote, it was a process, but it was pretty amazing coming up with them all once we got our head writer involved. She brought in one of her partners, Matt Chauncey. So it was AC Bradley and Matt and then executive producer Brad Winterbaum and myself. And we would sit and just spitball, Andrew said. And we just got an embarrassment of riches. We got so many episode ideas and Kevin Feige was like, just give me a list of 30. And then Kevin went and whittled it down. <laughs> so. Um, there is one other bit of news that's not on the docket that I sent you. Oh, story. I couldn't get it to pull up on my oh, phone. Let me see if I do it now. Because I tried to get it earlier. And... Okay, there it goes. It looked like Screen Rant was down for a minute. So this is from Screen Rant. Marvel secretly created another Hulk in Phase 1 and no one even noticed. This is by Kevin Erdsman. While Jennifer Walters is the newest Hulk to join the MCU and She-Hulk Attorney of the Law, a secret Hulk may have been created way back in Phase 1. Considering She-Hulk's origins and her new series, it's possible that Bruce Banner inadvertently made another Hulk long before his cousin even got the green skin and enhanced strength to match his own. Both cases will be the result of Bruce Banner's gamut irradiated blood. I'm trying to see where... They kind of did some She-Hulk spoilers there. Uh, while the MCU origins of She-Hulk are exciting on their own, Jen's rapid transformation... 
Uh, Bruce Banner's blood was, ex as they seen in 2008, the Incredible Hulk, Banner was a fugitive on the run from General Ross. Trying to live under the radar in Brazil, Bruce has worked at a bottling factory where he cut his finger, resulting in drops of blood falling onto some bottles. While the thought, while he thought he had recovered the blood and its rare gamma properties, Banner missed some which had landed in a bottle at Pingo Dose, a soda that would end up in the fridge at Marvel Comics legend Stan Lee himself. The 2008 uh, film confirmed that Stanley received gamma sickness after drinking the soda contaminated in his blood. While this was alerted, this is what alerted General Ross to Mary's location. There was no further elaboration as to what happened to Lee following one of the first cameos in the MCU. Considering how fast Jen turned into a Hulk after making contact with Bruce's blood She-Hulk, perhaps Stan Lee likewise turned green just as quickly becoming a secret Hulk with MCU off-screen. That's a fun theory. Yeah. I I am all about it. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely. Uh fun to think about oh holy crap how did i not put that and, in there yeah and while, while while you pull that up um to elaborate on the stan lee thing remember they have the name image likeness rights mm -hmm. to use modern technology to put him in these future projects in cameos so could we see at some point in she hulk a uh, hulked out stan lee don't uh, maybe just like a fun little cameo at yeah. the end of She-Hulk, maybe, or something like that. Oh, that'd be yeah. fun. Uh, and I completely bumbled him in to put this on the list. I still have it in my phone. Jordan Elsis leaves Superman and Lois ahead of Season 3. This is a crazy story, by the way. I, like, I am, um, every time I read it and see it, I, I'm still blown away. This is by uh, SuperheroHype.com by Blair Marnell. Things are going to be different on the Kent farm when Superman and Lois returns for its third season. Deadline is reporting that Jordan Elsis, the actor who portrays Clark and Lois' son Jonathan Kent, has left the series after two seasons. According to the report, Elsis, I'm assuming that's his name, uh, did not report back to the set in time for Deadline to begin working on season three. Subsequently, Warner Brothers TV confirmed his departure from the show. <laughs> I've... In a statement by a Warner Brothers TV spokesperson said, Jordan Elsus has notified the studio that he will not be returning to, returning to Superman and Lois for season three due to personal reason. The role of Jonathan Kent will be recast. At press time, Elsus has not uh, posted about his exit on social media accounts, but given that the third season was about to enter production, a replacement will have to be found soon. Bonkers. <laughs> oh. Some, something uh, something strange is happening, man. Yeah, there, there's something going on there. They said he missed the deadline to appear and then inform them that he wouldn't be returning. Mm -hmm. So this wasn't something where his contract was up. Right. And they didn't work a deal out. This is something that they were caught off guard by. I I wonder if there was something going on behind the scenes, maybe. But every time any of the actors, actresses posted anything on social media, they were all getting along fine, and everything right. was great. They were all going to cons together and doing things. So I I wonder, I wonder if it's something in personal life that uh, has not come out yet. I don't want to you know speculate either, on things, but either that or he's doing what television actors have done before, and that's they think their next big opportunities. Here and they mm. they turn their back on what made them and God, that's, it, doesn't, it doesn't usually work out right but. and this is probably going to be hoping to be the season he gets his powers but yeah. um oof, that that's rough um 
releases the past uh, for the past next two weeks or this past week and this week. Thursday, August 18th, Shield Katrina Law. They're also Thursday, August 18th, He Man and the Message of the Universe, the new season dropped on Netflix. Also oh. that day, Taken Bloodline dropped on Netflix. And then this Sunday, this day of recording, August 21st, House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones spinoff on HBO Max. And listen, I am so dang excited about it. I don't know why. I really don't. I'll watch it tomorrow on Monday, but because uh, it's 9 p.m. our time. But I am really excited about it. Just I want to go back into that world and get enamored by it. But we'll see if I actually do or not. So. Yeah, well, you'll, you'll have to... Uh tear yourself away from big brother well you know they sleep so <laughs> this week's yeah, been a pretty boring when, week so it'll be another that, boring that's when you're supposed to sleep too oh no they they don't go to bed till like seven o'clock our time in the morning and i don't get oh, it oh yeah yeah i don't know how they stay up till five in the morning i do it all the time <sighs> i can't <laughs> um all right on, on to movies so have you watched anything else movie wise no, we were going to watch Sonic 2 this weekend, but we decided not to. We just watched a couple of some of our shows and just kind of hung out. I did catch pieces of Clifford the Big Red Dog, but that's because Stella was watching it. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't really call yeah. it that. Um, yeah, I didn't really watch anything but our main movie, which over a two week span is kind of weird, but I, I've just had other stuff I've been doing. Yeah. Um, so our main film that we're going to review is Uncharted. And let's give a brief synopsis. Uh, it's. Do you want to do full spoilers? Because uh, it came Cause out. It's, it's new to streaming, but it was in theaters. and. Uh, yeah, it, it came out in February. So yeah, we could, let's just full spoilers for this. Full spoilers for Uncharted. All right. So I'm going to lead in with a uh, synopsis, run run down the cast list as we go. Treasure hunter Victor Sully Sullivan, played by Mark Wahlberg, recruits street smart Nathan Drake, played by some guy named Tom Holland. (laughs) Never heard of him. To help him recover a 500-year-old lost fortune amassed by explorer Ferdinand Magellan, not shown in the movie. What starts out as a heist soon becomes a globe-trotting white-knuckle race to reach the prize before the ruthless Santiago Mancata, played by Antonio Banderas, can get his hands on it. If Sully and Nate can decipher the clues and solve one of the world's oldest mysteries, they stand to find $5 billion in treasure, but only if they can learn to work together. The film also stars Sophia Taylor-Ali as Chloe Frazier and Tati Gabrielle as Joe Braddock. Uh, there are other people, but, you know, you can find them as you do. Um, we do have depiction in this of Nathan's brother, Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to know what we find out in the movie, wh- whether it's true or not. We're led to believe it eventually in the movie that Sam is dead. I don't think he is. Um, the whole yeah, movie, I was I, like, he's making a comeback. So, and and there is a there is a post credit scene mm-hmm. where we see Sully and Nathan working together, um, and they exit a building, and as they turn around, they see someone that surprises them. We don't know if it's someone from this movie. It could be Sam. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm thinking it's possible that it's Chloe. Right. That's probably the more logical explanation. But they do go on this whirlwind. I like the way that they did the movie. I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. Every movie like this, to me, I have to compare to Indiana Jones. And right. so far, nothing else has measured up. Nothing else has reached that level yet. The National Treasure movies came mm-hmm. close for me. See, that's what I always compare them to is the National Treasure films. Yeah. So, um, The one thing I was anxious about seeing in this film when uh, when I was loading it up was would I be able to watch it and see Tom Holland as Nathan Drake mm-hmm. and not think Peter Parker? And it works. Yes. I did not think Peter Parker once when he was on screen. He was Nathan Drake. He's in this he's in this completely different story. Um, it's got some very cool uh, stunts. Some this. from the video games were yeah. were really cool. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, flying ships. You've got uh, you you lead off with some footage from the the most popular scene in the trailer, which mm-hmm. is him hanging out of the back of the airplane. So that's kind of where we kick off, and then flash back until we catch up to that moment again. So, yeah. I I really like this movie. I, I gave it a four out of five on Letterboxd. Um, I was very. I've only played the first game. I played some of the second, but I know a lot of what happens in all four games. And so, like, I was holding a candle to it, to make sure you know, is this gonna be a video game movie that just flops? Like, are they? Is it not good? Is it too cheesy? Because this was in development hell for years. Because I think this was announced back in like 2012 and went through director changes, went through casting changes. Um, but overall, I really liked this movie, and I really want a second one. I was very, very, very concerned, along with everybody else, how are they going to do uh, Sullivan or Sully with Mark Wahlberg? I thought he did fine. Like, I mean, they made him older, but like if you made him as old as he was in the games, a lot of the things wouldn't work as well. It wouldn't be as, as believable as it was in the movie. I was very excited that they put Chloe Frazier in it, which is she's from the she's the main character in the spinoff uh, games, Uncharted uh, Lost Legacy. So I was like, that was very cool. I, I don't know why I didn't realize that. But the thing that got me that I knew that I was I was kind of told beforehand, but I've forgotten until I watched it, that that set it up to a four for me was that they had the voice actor uh, for Nathan Drake from the video games in one of the scenes and it was very funny Nolan North is sitting on the beach they come up on the water and he said huh kind of had an experience like that happened to me once before too and Tom Holland kind of like does like looks back at him and then keeps walking and it was just it was very cool it was very uh, Nathan Drake from the video game-esque um, I really like that they did the the original outfit of Nathan Drake just like the dirty uh, baseball tee and cargo or cargo pants and everything that was cool the action scenes were a lot of fun the National Treasure s Indiana Jones puzzle solving was a lot of fun to do uh, some things I you know you could call out before like the when he saw all the when he got all the letters from his brother and he put the the or fire behind it and revealed the code and things like that I kind of called before he even started messing with that um the villain, I didn't really like Joe Braddock being the the big bad here. I feel like they should have kept Antonio Banderas around a little bit more. But I like the the twist they did with that. But after uh, um, Santiago Moncada died, 
I was like, okay, this is just a, a bad person. I really don't really care much about. Um, but like with Antonio Banderas' character, I was like, he has the motivation for why he's trying to find all of this. Um, the the mercenary group, I was like, it's just another mercenary group. I could care less what happens to these people. So, But I enjoyed it. I really liked this movie. If you took it independent from the games, it's mm. enjoyable. Right. I think if you played any of the games, you're, you're going to enjoy it. Because there are those little Easter eggs that you can, um, you can look for. The thing that I didn't like about killing off Antonio Banderas' character, I felt like he would have been set up so well. Like, he's he's got the personal reason for wanting to find this treasure, right? Because of its because of its tie to his family, and then Nathan spoils that. And then that prompts him to chase another treasure treasure to try and prop his family fortune back up. And right. Nathan spoils that. Like, they keep bumping into each other. It would have been great to see that go over several films and have him be this mastermind behind right. that keeps getting foiled. Um, or maybe he gets a small score that carries him over a little ways. So I didn't like that they killed him off. Right, like almost halfway through the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it it is a good twist. I mean it, it because you don't see it coming. Right. Um and it's kind of tied to an earlier twist that you you pretty well know about. Like it's telegraphed in some ways, mm-hmm. but for why the person that kills him kills him. Right. Um Yeah, I, I like the way that uh you know, like we, we see Nathan tending bar early in the mm-hmm. early in the film. He's he's basically picking people's pockets, right? He's slipping bracelets off their wrists and stuff and and finding ways to because it's expensive to live in New York, man. Mm-hmm. You can't do it on just a bartender salary. Don't know why you don't go elsewhere. People just want to stay in New York, I guess. <laughs> and then uh but you see some of those same skills come back later on. Mm-hmm. Uh like when he and Chloe go through that underground bar and those guys are following him and he jumps behind the bar and he starts using the bottles as weapons mm-hmm. uh, the, the Scotsman uh, was so funny like every scene he was yeah. in I really loved him yeah. he's like I, is this guy speaking English I really don't know and it's just it was like those Nathan Drake quips from the game and stuff like that it's just I really like how they incorporated it but made it stand on its own as well so yeah but like I said, for me, the big thing was, am I going to see Peter Parker mm-hmm. when I watch this? And I didn't. So yeah. I want the second one. I want a third one. I want a fifth one. Yeah. I want them to keep going with it. I just, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I mean, and like you said, they, they kind they did the post credit scene and they set up a second one. But well, it made, we it made over there. 400 million at the box office. Mm-hmm. So... They'll go back to it. Yeah. Hollywood goes back to film franchises for a lot less these days. So. Currently no no confirmed sequel in the works. But now it I, we say that it is Warner Brothers, so this is Sony Pictures. Well, I mean it's Sony, but it's on That's right. It's on Netflix. I was thinking it was on HBO Max. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Nothing nothing new. 
for it, but I'm, I'm right there with you. With it making that much money, there's no way they don't do a yeah. second one. Yeah. yeah with I, I, Sully I think, with his mustache. I think you have to at least do one more. Mm-hmm. I'd be okay with just and one if, more. And if it's as well-received as this one, then you do another one. Mm-hmm. Just keep going with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be that for the next few years, Tom Holland is primarily making Spider-Man and Uncharted movies. We, uh, as of live recording, they just dropped the Last of Us TV adaptation's first trailer. So once we get through with movies, Chris, I'm going to set that up so we okay. can watch that live podcast reacts. Chris, we've never done one of those before. Well, we're still technically just recording, but that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's get through. I'll go through movie news, of which there's not a lot. Uh, while you get that set up, um, real quick though, movie review for next—not next week, but the week after, because we are going to have another week off, another dead week. No pun intended. Uh, because when we come back in two weeks, the movie that we will be reviewing is the original from 1968, Night of the Living Dead, as we launch our two months of horror films. Mm, I just can't wait. I'm so excited. Horrors and thrillers and Halloween themes. Mm -hmm. It's not everything's going to be a horror movie. Yeah. We'll have some funny Spoiler. ones in there. Spoiler, we're going we're gonna to touch on the new Hocus Pocus mm -hmm. at some point. So that means we have to go back and watch the first one. All right. Um, we're going to watch the new Halloween Halloween ends, so we'll see. We'll see if Halloween really ends, Chris, okay? I, I don't think it's going to. No, I don't think it will either. <laughs> All right, on to movie news. We are going to start with Sonic 3. It's going to release in theaters December the 20th, 2024. Mm -hmm. I think this will probably be a pretty good time for them. The kids will be out of school for the Christmas break. Mommy and Daddy want to get them out of the house for a little bit, get a bit of a break. One takes them to the movies to see Sonic 3. The other one stays home and gets drunk on eggnog. <laughs> the way it goes. Also, uh, Black Canary film is still in development at HBO Max. However, if it goes the way some of this other stuff's going, they're just going to make it, finish it, and then shelve it. Right. Uh, but this comes from TVLine.com's Matt Webb Medovich. Black Canary standalone movie still in development at HBO Max. Birds of Prey's Bat Swinging Girl is still planning to step up to the plate for HBO Max. In the wake of Warner Brothers' discovery abruptly pulling the plug on the nearly complete Leslie Grace starring Batgirl movie, a spokesperson for Warner Brothers Pictures confirms for TV Line that the Black Canary standalone movie that was first announced a year ago remains in development at the streamer, spinning off Jernice Molay's Dinah Lance character from the 2019 feature Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, formerly known as Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. News of the project leaked late last August and was a and was promptly confirmed by both Smollett and frequent collaborator Misha Green, who is pinning the script. Um, okay. Um, right. I, I, again, for me personally, 
um, just because of the content we've gotten over the past few years. It's it's Katie Cassidy or bust, mm -hmm. right? So it's it's like eh, okay. Eh. If if they do release it, I'll watch it at some point. But it is what it is. Finally, in movie news, Enola Holmes two gets a November fourth release date. There is a picture floating around that mm. you can see. Yeah, they released Enola. like four or five sets, and it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Enola, in a crowd of people. So. Looking mm -hmm. forward to that. Did you, did you see who else is in that crowd of people? Uh, There's some cameos in there. Are there? Mm-hmm. Let me, let me pull this up real quick from where you texted it to me. Let's see. Let me make sure I go. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Is that Mr. Cavill back there? It is. And I think might the, be joining. The other brother is in there as well, but... Capital's yeah. the the big one you can see. Who might be joining the MCU? God, Captain Britain, bring him on. <laughs> um, that's all we have for movie news, and um, no new releases scheduled for this span. Mm. So, um, Tyler, mm. let's see it. You ready? Can you see my screen? I can see your screen. All right, here we go. The Last of Us HBO teaser. It's only twenty eight seconds. Don't know how to feel about that. But uh his line here. You have no idea what loss is. I don't know. Don't know. Yeah. Um you know, I'm into uh the game the the games are what I'm basing everything off of. So I don't know don't know how I feel about that. But it's, it's a it's a teaser, so yeah. I'll I'll try and withhold judgment till we get a full trailer. All right. Mm, it looks good though. It looks very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we even saw Billy taking his mask or Tommy taking his mask off. So, and he looks mm -hmm. great. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. So, Chris, you know, a game has come out recently. It comes out yearly, and you're my residential expert in it. Madden oh, no. 23, have you been playing it? And if you have, tell me all about it. I have. Awesome. What would you like to know? Uh, does it feel like another copy-paste game? Or no. Awesome. Well, so let, let, me, let me put a little caveat to that. Um, there's two ways to play the game. You can play the more classic passing system, or you can play with the new field sense system. What is that? If you if you put time in the, into the new field sense system as a quarterback, for instance, you can make back shoulder throws. You can drop the ball in more precisely mm. to uh, to where only your receiver can get it, as opposed to hoping for an animation. It gives you a little bit more control uh, within the game. So it's kind of up to how you want to play it. Um, hmm. Yeah. 
It's do you play with the deep sense or do you play with the uh like classic? I do classic right now because I'm just I've mainly used the early play period that we just came out of to sort of set up ultimate team mm. for what I'm gonna do with it this year. Um, ultimate teams changed for the um, better or for worse. For the better. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's um, what they did. They compare it to Fortnite, and, uh, well, that, and some that's other different. Like that. <laughs> Well, because what they did is they put these, what they're calling field passes, and they're comparing it to the battle pass. Oh, okay. System. Um, it really, I understand why they don't want to make the comparison, but it's really a lot like Diamond Dynasty and MLB The Show. It's the same company. Why wouldn't they want to do it? Like, why wouldn't they want to compare it? Well, no. Uh, MLB The Show is uh, Sony. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So they, uh, but it's basically set up that way. You don't have to pay for any of the rewards because typically in Mutt, when you would earn something, some of, some of what you would earn were store opportunities where you could just get a discounted pack, but you still had to go buy the points to get the Oh. And with this, you're earning coins, you're earning XP, you're earning packs, you're earning player items, you're earning strategy items, all kinds of stuff. So it's much more, if you're willing to slowly grind that mode, Right. you, you can get good cards and you don't have to pay anything. You don't have to take uh, your money and, and complete any microtransactions. So it's much more available for people on a budget who aren't going to spend to have good teams they just have to put the time in so um, I'm looking at game pass and it's really weird so it goes you know 21 22 and then 23 they only have on PC but not on Xbox that's weird that's very strange I don't like that um because it's, it's at the point, like, I'm all football, and it's all I want to do and talk about right now. And uh-huh. it's it's that time of the year where Manic does come out, and you just want to play it, and at least for me, for a couple of weeks, because I just know how I am, and I won't play it anymore. But I, I am... wonder if they're I wonder if they're holding off, because it, it just streeted on Friday. Right. The early play went back to Tuesday, but I wonder if maybe it's going to hit this next weekend or something mm. on Game Pass. Yeah, I I wish they'd hurry up because I, because that's what I do. I play for a couple of games. I play Mutt for a little bit, and then something else comes out. Like I got Destiny's new season dropping on Tuesday, and they've yeah. got a showcase Tuesday morning as well, which I'll be enamored in. But uh, oh man, it's well uh, they hmm. they added uh, improvements to franchise. They overhauled some more of the scouting. They good. Uh, it's. It's a lot better than last year, all the way around. Those are the two modes I play: are franchise and uh, and mutt. And uh, they also, I think, did tweak base of the franchise, where you take a player and just take them on their career path. I think the big thing that they changed this year is you start after you've already been in the league, as opposed to starting as a high school player. And that's pretty cool. Process. And uh, there's more positions that you can play. 
Hmm. I think last year it was quarterback, receiver, or running back. Yeah, your most popular ones. Yeah. Yeah. But now you got stuff on the defensive side of the ball too, so it's definitely worth a a look if anyone's even remotely interested. Like like you were saying, if you can get it on Game Pass and try it for two or three weeks. No brainer. Yeah. Going up against you and Mutt every every week somehow some way. (laughs) Do it. That's what I'm telling you. It's don't listen. Don't tempt me with fancy football coming up. I'm getting really competitive again. And yeah. just know I'm going to lose, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I haven't really been playing anything uh, noteworthy. They had Dragon Ball Z skins come into Fortnite, which has been leaked, you know, months ago. And I've been playing that. It's a lot of fun. Destiny's new season comes out this Tuesday, so I will be playing a lot of it. Um, I think that's, yeah, I haven't really, it's been a weird couple of weeks. I haven't had a lot of me time, if you will, if I haven't been reading books, which is, you know, to each their own. Get away from the screens for a minute. Right. Uh, a couple of news things here. A Pac-Man live-action movie is in development. We're going to TheVerge.com by John Porter. As Hollywood looks uh, even further afield for IP to return to new film franchises, the classic arcade game Pac-Man has emerged as the next potential basis for a live-action adaptation. According to the Hollywood Reporter, the film is currently in development at Wayfarer, the studio behind Disney Plus's Clouds, with assistance from Bandai Namco based on the idea from Sonic the Hedgehog, associate producer Chuck Williams. So, just it's interesting. Don't know how you go about and do that, but uh, it's in the works. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I don't know how. Um, next thing here, Midnight Suns, the Marvel video game has been delayed with no date given. Previously announced to be released in October. So, uh, which I imagine this is what they're going to talk about this next news article. A Marvel and Disney game showcase has been announced for September 9th. We're going to uh, GameStop.com by Darren Bonthoys for this one. Disney's D23 Expo kicks off in September, and this year there will be a digital showcase devoted to featuring new content from upcoming Disney and Marvel games. Hosted by Connie Kinda Funny's Blessing Eddie Jr., which is one of the ones that I watch um, or listen to a podcast on, the Kinda Funny's My People, and live stream through its social channels, according to Disney, new reveals for Disney's Dreamlight Valley, Marvel's Midnight Suns, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, as well as the first look at, at Skydance New Media's Marvel game. It's slated to take place on September 9th at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard. So, very first one um, ever, and I don't, they never said how long it's going to be, I imagine, probably. 30, 35 minutes, if that. But do we see some Insomniac, Spider-Man 2, or Wolverine? Maybe. Maybe probably like a little CGI trailer, but I don't think we'll see anything big there. Nothing against Spider-Man, because I do like the games, but mm-hmm. I'm really psyched about Wolverine. Yeah, give, so give me the Wolverine like. one. Yeah. I think we'll see Spider-Man 2, because it's Spider-Man 2's first, which is supposed to be released this time next year, probably October. And then I think Wolverine's the next year, so 2024. But, oh, man, I'm right there with you. I want some more Wolverine. I want to see more of that. And then our last news story here, Sony is developing a Days Gone movie that could potentially star Outlander's Sam Hugan. Going to Deadline.com by Anthony D'Alessandro. In the wake of Sony minting the start of a cinematic franchise and its big screen take on a PlayStation game Uncharted, which we just reviewed, which made close to $402 million worldwide, we hear the movie division of its video game arm, Sony PlayStation Productions, is developing the future rendition of Days Gone, which Outlander's Sam Hugan is circling and Oscar-nominated scribe Sheldon Turner is adapting. 
Uh, the Bid Studios created a game which based a sold 9 million units. is set in Pacific Northwest after a devastating global pandemic. The game chronicles former motorcycle club member Deacon St. John as he fights for survive against the forces and despair uh, and mutilated predatory humans in his quest to find the long-lost presumed dead love of his life. So, and he says, Human will play Deacon, and I hear Turner's script will be a love vow to motorcycle movies, the bike, gang be, the bike being Deacon's sole form of transportation. His horse in this world will be modern-day Western. So, why not get, I mean, I don't know, the character that actually played him in mo-capped for Deacon St. John, Sam Whitmore, who is a, a very popular actor, to play his character in the movie. That would make sense. That's that. There's a lot of grief because of that reason. So, which I get, you know what I mean. But to each their own, I guess. And then the games coming out last week and this week: Roller Drone, PC, and PlayStation's on August 16th. Tribes of Midgard finally comes the Xbox Series and Switch. Madden 23 on everything besides the Switch. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Oh, that was August 19th, excuse me. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Comes out on everything August 23rd. The new rendition of Saints Row comes out on everything but uh, Switch on August 23rd. And then SD Gundam Battle Alliance comes out on everything August 23rd as well. Saints Row, I'm keeping my eye open for. It, it's not really speaking to me yet. The old ones I loved just because they were wacky, fun, superhero, alien mess. This one is supposed to be like more grounded and it looks more like Grand Theft Auto, which I'm like, I don't really see why they would go that direction, but we'll see. I'm, I might get it. I'm not still on the fence. We'll see. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so much for listening and or watching this episode of the NerdWide Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did not like it, let us know in the comments down below what we can improve the show and what you think we can do better. Uh, if you did like it, don't forget to share it on your favorite social media platforms. And forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite media, on your favorite podcasting apps. On social media, you can follow the NerdWide account at nerd underscore wide. Or you can follow me personally at Ty underscore Haynes. And you can follow Chris at MathTN7. Uh, if you want to go on Facebook, you go to facebook.com, search, uh, search NerdWide. It'll be the first thing that pops up there. Twitter and Facebook are the first ways you know that episode has gone live on whatever account that is. As always, this has been the, this week's episode of the NerdWide Podcast, and we cannot wait to meet you with you in two weeks for our first episode of uh, Halloween Horror Nights, as we'll call it here on NerdWide Podcast. It will be fun and scary, and I just can't wait. I'm so excited. Yippee. <laughs>